Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to this week's episode of Lost Without Japan, and Happy New Year. This is a podcast based on Japan and your Lost Without Moments. This is your director of travel for TKIST Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and for his own return finally in this year. I would like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today. And I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that all of us could use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and for returning once more. As always, the advertising I include with my shows is done for free and to help continue to promote the friends of the show that we've interviewed in the past. If you're able to help the show and its goals, you can join the show's Patreon and help me work toward my goal of getting someone to edit the show, which would mean more content and episodes each month. We have a lot of fun going on over in that Patreon area. You'll have early access to our episodes and just some direct input and feedback uh, when it goes to where we're going next. If you're unable to help financially, I would greatly appreciate you sharing the show with friends and family that you think would enjoy our interviews and day trip ideas. Let's start today's show, the second of a two-part series on Sapporo, with some positive mental imagery. And let's imagine that today is the time for you to make your way to Japan. You have made it. Today's the day you continue your journey through Japan. Go ahead and take a few deep breaths and come along with your tour group as we make sure your extended journey to Sapporo is wonderful and as amazing as possible. Whether it's your first trip or return trip to this wonderful city, you're going to be making your very own Lost Without Moments. Although the Snow Festival has been canceled for 2023, We're going to use our positive thoughts and wishes for a return of this wonderful festival for 2024. For the purpose of our show, we're going to use the middle of February 2023 for rates and lodging, knowing full well that these are going to likely increase when it finally returns in 2024. With that disclaimer, let's return to our show. As you wake up in preparation for the Sapporo Snow Festival, remember, you can always reach out to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com or lostwithoutjapan on Instagram. As always, remember you can have access to the show's Google document with information on Japan, past shows, different recommendations, and things that can be helpful in your planning, all located in the description for today's show. As always, today's stamp to take you directly to our part two of a two-part talk on Sapporo can be found in the notes for this show. I truly feel lucky that we have each other for this journey. I'm looking forward to us both supporting each other's dreams and goals for this 2023. Normally, this is a part of the show where we go into the history of the city we're visiting. We've already covered this in our last talk on Sapporo. So, 
go ahead, if you missed this, go back, listen, and feel free to join us again once more. But today we're going to, instead of talking about the history of Sapporo, is to actually talk about the history of the Sapporo Winter Snow Festival briefly instead. The festival first began in 1950 when a group of students from middle and high schools worked together to create six snow sculptures in Odori Park. In addition to the snow sculptures, they also had snowball fights and a carnival. For this first festival, there was not much of an ex expectation for people to show up. However, it was a hit. And a, it was one that had more than 50,000 people showing up to it. Can you imagine that? You know, being back in high school or different things like that and trying to get some event going and having 50,000 people show up to it. This was such a success that they ended up deciding to make it a seasonal activity, which would be participated even more by locals, where it increasingly began to produce more and more challenging snow sculptures. By 1953, the first snow sculpture eclipsed 49 feet, or 15 meters in height, and was called Ascension. By 1955, the popularity of the event began to gain some fame throughout Japan. When the Japan Self-Defense Force ended up joining in on the snow sculpture competition. And by 1959, the newspaper was covered by newspapers throughout Japan and was even televised where it showed off the 2,500 participants ended up enjoying that competition for the snow sculpture event. Because of all of this exposure, the event really took off again and greatly increased in size. By 1965, there was a need of a second venue. It was truly only a matter of time for this event to gain international fame as well. When in 1972, Sapporo held the Winter Olympics, and that's when the exposure truly arrived. By 1974, the snow sculpture event was renamed the International Snow Sculpture Contest, and it was truly just what you'd think at that point in time. You had competitors from all around the world. With all of this exposure and growth, there ended up needing to be a third venue that was added on the 34th anniversary of the event. This happened with the addition of Susukino, and by 1984, the event grew from two to seven days. In 2005, the Makamanai venue was shut down, and a new venue called Sapporo Satoland ended up taking its place. The Sapporo Snow Festival has taken place every year since its beginning until COVID has forced it to be canceled. Currently, the event occurs across those three main sites. Of all the current sites, Odori Park is the main venue where you would find the popular ice sculptures with lots of great food, warm drinks, and various other things to help keep you warm during this time. The Google Doc for the show that includes a map link for these locations covered if you'd like to follow along. Like I said, we're going to be using the middle of February to help with these potential lodging costs, but unlike our last episode, I'm going to mainly focus on activities that are related to the Sapporo Snow Festival, and when it returns in 2024, you are going to be ready to go. And honestly, you're going to want to book these lodging and things that you have out as far as you can to make sure that you're as close to the festival as you're going to go. You're going to also cover different activities that you can take place during that time. And then we'll have our normal honorable mention list, which we're going to focus on activities that actually take place outside of this snow festival, just in case you need to warm up 
and, you know, continue some of our discussions that we had from part one talk on Sapporo. Speaking of staying warm, let's move on to discussing lodging options for your trip. For those of you listening to this episode, first feel free to listen to part one to get more of an idea of our Sapporo area. But for the rest of us, let's continue on with our lodging options for today. Remember, if you're using a non-chain option when visiting Japan, please look to book with those small businesses and families directly through whatever site or phone number they provide so that they don't lose out on that 30% uh, fee that they end up losing out to sites such as booking.com. Before we start talking about our day trip to Sapporo Snow Festival, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Doc Game. Read more Japanese, push your career further, and lower the ceiling on that last 10% of your learning with Maple Lopo Schoolhouse, college caliber training designed specifically for readers and serious learners of Japanese. Enroll at mapleloposchoolhouse.com. For those of you beginning your journey with me again today at Sapporo Station, We'll begin by heading out so we can store our luggage at our choice of lodging before venturing out for the snow festival. For those of you looking for information about storage lockers in Sapporo, feel free to reference our last episode on Sapporo. My lodging choices for our stay is the Fino Hotel Sapporo Odori, which is just a three-minute walk from Odori Park, and compared to the location from our last episode, more luxurious of an option. It's a great place for your stay, and one more important thing to take into note is that if you're going to be attending the festival, you need to book out as far in advance as possible. And I suggest doing so as soon as dates are announced for the event or even guesstimating by past dates so that you can figure out where you need to stay without uh, you know, having to pay for those increase in additional pricing once you know, that festival becomes you know, set in stone. And, um, you know, for you, you get as close to the action as possible, because I'm going to tell you, if it's anything like, you know, anything else that's going out in the world, as soon as this festival is back, I totally feel like it's going to be back with so many more people looking to take advantage of this. The Fino Hotel Sapporo Odori is located close to Susukino and Tanojukikogoji, and just a three-minute walk of Nishi Hachome Station's tram stop. This location does not offer its own parking for those of you that may end up driving. That being said, there's a small nearby parking lot, however, which seems to offer very reasonable rates for parking. The elevators do require a key to operate, something to keep in mind if you travel as a group, depending on how many keys you end up getting for your room. Some reviews mention that the staff are said to be able to speak Korean and English, which is a huge plus as well. The area is said to be quiet at night, which is great for trying to catch some Zs. After a full day, and rooms are often commented as being super clean, with a few rare exceptions of saying otherwise. Rooms for February run around $78 directly through the site for one person, um, and around $54 when booked through sites such as Hotels.com or Expedia. You know, I do understand. I ask, you know, for us to try to book directly with different places, but hey, if your finances don't allow it, uh, take advantage of the discount that's there. The single stay option is with a small bed that definitely will not fit two. For two people directly through the site, it will end up being 9,800 yen, including tax to make sure you each have your own bed. And that's something really 
uh, like pay attention to because in the pictures, the single bed looks slightly larger than what you'd expect to have had in college or a university. And if you're traveling with a significant other, I'd spring so you have two beds just in case you can't fit comfortably uh, when you decide to call it a night. After checking in, if it had been a long trip, I might do a quick shower and make sure to bundle up before heading out for some snow-filled fun. Truly, it's important to layer up for your time outside and inside as you spend the day exploring this festival. Make sure not to head out without your gloves, your scarf, your hat, your thick, warm socks, long johns, thermal underwear, warm boots, and hiking shoes with great tread as you're going to encounter a lot of ice today. And you truly don't want to ruin your day by slipping and falling. One important thing to take into account is that this winter for Sapporo, it's normally one that's filled with heavy snow and blizzards have been known to occur during these events. So it's truly important to plan accordingly. I would also recommend bringing hand warmers, either disposable or rechargeable, and your own Kleenex and tissue uh, so that you can, you know, end up being able to take care of, you know, anything that may end up resulting from being, you know, cold during this time. This is not the time you want to be looking for change for your 5,000 and 10,000 yen notes. So I would make sure that you have saved, if you've been traveling before this point, all your different coins for use at the festival or when you request change before you end up coming over from your banking institute, that you ask for some of those 2,000 yen notes, um, just smaller change, just so that you aren't uh, st stuck looking at that canned coffee, hot sake, the mold wine, or white Russians, or other warm drinks, and just wishing that you could have one, uh, but having a bill that won't be you know, broken uh, for change. The Sapporo Snow Festival truly has so much to offer. Activities include skating, live events, such as concerts, snowball fights, toboggan rides, and even building snow people and carving your own cup from a block of ice. There are souvenir stalls and food stalls galore. Snow mazes, skiing, and nighttime illuminations just are some of what you can expect to enjoy at this festival. I always like to look for something to eat before getting too much into my exploration for a new city. With this festival, you really don't need to worry about heading out on a full stomach, as there are food stalls throughout this event, and many restaurants that are in these locations to explore as well. I truly love attending festivals and really enjoy sampling a lot of different things I stumble across. And you can expect to do that too as we're going to head our way to enjoy some skating. Some things you can expect to find at all of those typical food stalls would be your yakitori skewers, okonomiyaki, takoyaki, octopus balls, as other great seafood finds for those that are knowing of the Sapporo from ahead of time, the crab nambe hot pots, which the city is famous for. Now that we have food taken care of when we've hit these stalls on the way, we're going to hop on a bus that's run by the city for this event. Buses will take you to the Festival Tsutsume site or Site C, known as the Waku Waku Snow Park. That's where your children and us young, you know, us adults that still feel like children can end up enjoying your toboggans, your snow maze, your rides, snowball fights, and so much that are going on, including your 
uh, partially frozen pictures that you'll end up being taking after you're you know frozen enough and ready to warm back up. Time to hop back on those buses and head back to the food stalls where they have tents and rooms to help you warm back up as you eat and even potentially find yourself some souvenirs if you need more clothes such as a hat, scarf, or things that might commemorate your time. After warming up, it's time to head out back and on the ice for some ice skating at the Adori Site 1 Chom venue located at JCOM Square with the open air rink measuring 22 meters by 17 and a half meters or 72 by 57 feet. In the three chom section of this venue, you can also see professional snowboarders and freestyle ski participants in either solo or synchronized teams as they get some air for your enjoyment on a jump that measures 65 meters in length and 24 meters in height, or around 230 meters by 78 meters. Another thing to enjoy are the snow sculptures throughout this area. And you can even kind of see which ones you want to look at ahead of time when you visit Sapporo's website so that you can make sure not to miss something, uh, you know, and look at those Instagram posts or pictures later and go like, man, I wish I'd seen that in person. The Susukuno site, or Site B, is where I will get off next as this location offers various sized ice sculptures and works that are participated in a contest that has 30,000 tons of snow used for that event and participated by 10,000 people to help sculpt and transport it. After all of this fun, you may choose to head back to your hotel to shower and enjoy the Susukuno Entertainment District we talked about in our last episode. Or you just want to head right out to our night view event that's going to be at Mount Moyawa. Mount Moyawa is known for its nighttime panoramic views and luckily has a cable car that you can use to get to the observation deck. Be prepared for some of the biggest oohs and ahs of your entire day when you ride the cable car up to the observation deck. The view at night gives you a truly unique and all-encompassing view of Sapporo and its lights. It'll be bitterly cold though as you step off, so you truly don't want any of your skin showing as you step off. Also something to be aware of is that you can expect to wait in line to get aboard, so bring a hot drink and hand warmers with you as you wait. Luckily, the capacity of the cars are large and gets a big group in, usually all in one go. One other thing is to pull out your auto translation apps if you come across signs in Japanese, as some of these signs are warning people that these pass are for going up only or going down the mountain only. So in order to get the best, you know, time and avoid being yelled at, just, you know, be prepared. Be prepared, my friends. It's also recommended if you want to get the best picture of yourself at the top. It's recommended to use the Bell of Happiness monument to get light in your face and then be able to have the area around you be shown off as well. Cost of adults for a round trip from the Chufuku station is just 700 yen. And they are open from 11 a.m. till when they close with the last lift going up at 9.30. From Mount Moyawa Ropeway, the Sanroku Station, Chufuku Station, is of 1,400 yen for adults round trip, with children being 700 yen. I will add a link to the website for the ropeways from various stations so that you can check this out as well. Fortunately, it also has options to change and accommodate multiple languages. One important thing to know as well is that starting in mid-November, 
for the Mount Moewa Sightseeing Motor Vehicle Roads are closed until early April. If you live in Sapporo or the surrounding area or plan a trip during this time, it might be worth it to buy a yearly pass for the ropeways and mini cable cars for just 2800 for adults, and children 12 and younger can actually join you for free. These tickets are sold at the Sanroku Station 4D ticket counter. You could easily extend your night with all the festivals that the area has to offer, but a warm bath and a shower are definitely calling my name. I'm going to choose to head back out to our hotel with a quick stop at a convenience store for a snack and beverage before I can call it a night and welcome in our next tour group in the AM. My honorable mentions for our time are for Sapporo as far as a place to visit, eat, and lodging for your next trip. For those of you that decide to take a break from the festival, uh, feel free to supplement these into your itinerary or choose an activities, dining options, or lodging. For our last talk, we talked about the Sapporo Beer Museum and briefly mentioned the Sapporo Beer Garden that we're going to discuss in more detail today. The three-story brick building is from 1890 and was once a sugar factory, becoming the Sapporo Beer Garden in 1966. This location is known for serving Genghis Khan and draft Sapporo beer directly from the, the factory. This location is all you can eat for 100 minutes, and if you'd like, all you can drink as well. For 13 and older, the all-you-can-eat course is 3,600 yen, and for those 7 to 12 years old, it's 1,800 yen. For those of you that are looking to take that drinking course for the draft Sapporo beer and other non-alcoholic drinks ages 20 and older is 5,280 yen, which is truly not a bad deal, uh, especially with our conversion rate still. For all you can eat and all you can drink non-alcoholic beverages for 13 to 19, it's 4,400 yen. And 2,600 yen for all you can drink and eat for ages 7 to 12. If you don't want to gorge yourself, though, you can also order Korean, Western, and Japanese items a la carte through the menu available at this location. Feel free to check all of this out ahead of time, as the menu on their website can be changed to multiple languages. All of this fun can be found on the second and third Kessel Hall floors, and if you so choose, you can explore a more upscale option with Lilac, where they have grass-fed lamb and other vegetable specialties as well that are local to the area. Even with all of this and more, there's so much more to find that's in this area for your culinary enjoyment as well. Another location I looked into for lodging is the JR East Hotel Metz Sapporo. Reviews mention clean rooms, bathrooms, and toilets being in separate locations in the room and a convenient location next to Sapporo Station where you exit from the north exit of the station and near the east ticket gate. Um, you'll find it and it has a good breakfast. The venue opens up for that at 6.35 a.m. and not the 6.30 that's listed. Not a huge difference, but hey, five minutes of sleep is five minutes of sleep. The rooms are of decent size for Japanese-style rooms, and it's important to know that you'll need your key to get, be able to use the elevator, and you can expect an automated check-in with touch screens when you go. The TVs are said to have an HDMI cable if you'd like to connect your own external device and end up watching something that isn't on the you know, TV there for you to go. 
And if possible, uh, booking the west side of the hotel at higher levels can really provide an amazing view for your stay. There are multiple single and twin bed looking booking options. Pricing through the site of single starts at 9,312 yen and 11,058 yen with breakfast and goes all the way up from there. For two travelers, pricing begins at 14,162 yen, all the way up to 19,500, depending on which options you choose. It wouldn't be such a bad idea to check out your travel sites ahead of time for this chain, as some of the pricing, 4,000 yen cheaper than booking directly through this site. And since it is and looks to be a chain, um, you're not going to hurt my feelings by doing so. Our treasure hunt addition for the day is the Sapporo Factory Shopping Mall. Not only can you catch a movie in Japanese, but you can also find a crate filled with ice cream. One of my personal favorite treats. Many locals speak warmly about the food court, and many mention that finding meat buns on the basement floor that keep popping up again and again without mentioning the exact spot. Maybe they want to keep it a secret, but if any of you make it out there and figure out what it is, let me know, and I'll make sure to do the same. I know it'll be my goal to find them when I go myself, and currently there's even a Demon Slayer exhibit with other past anime things popping up in the past as well. One of my favorite things about visiting places like this is just being able to enjoy seeing other families out laughing, smiling, and having fun. The Chu Award is also known to the Ganso Sapporo Ramen Yokocho, better known as Ramen Alley. Located in Sapporo's Susukuno District, the small street is known to locals and residents of Japan and tourists alike and is just a two-minute walk from the Susukuno subway station. This small alley is known for putting um, Sapporo on the map for being the birthplace of miso ramen and has a long history dating back to 1948 when it was just eight ramen shops. Today, there are 17 different restaurants that are there that are regularly busy, especially around midnight, when those in the area turn to that location for filling and enjoyable great late night snacks. Now, you can expect that there are going to be people queuing up to get into those, but one plus is that many of the shops have English menus and are filled with friendly staff that will help you out regardless. If you're in Sapporo for more than a day, it would really do you well to have this location added as one of your meal choices for your trip. I hope you're as excited as I am to move on to our next day trip episode where I kind of some inspiration from different anime and things that I'm watching and would like to see how that goes with picking a location that is, again, still off that beaten path, but one that I want to see how close it is to what I saw before. If you're enjoying these episodes or would like to see us return to a place or continue to talk about it more, please feel free to join our Patreon and enjoy the conversation that we're having there to kind of send your recommendations or reach out in that old-fashioned way at lostwithoutcan at gmail.com. Some housekeeping. Please give a follow, like, and comment on your favorite streaming service. It truly means the world. For updates on the show, feel free to give a follow on Instagram at lostwithoutjapan or lostwithoutcan.lipson.com. The old private house, the Shogun Experience. For a fully immersive getaway in the mountains of Nara or just an intimate bespoke lunch, 
and the old private house has got you covered. Go back in time to the Edo period, dress up as a samurai, and fight off ninja. All in one private experience. Check out their website at neol.co.jp or Instagram at neol.jp to learn more. Our outro for today as we look to get ready to call it a night and begin our next adventure as we continue our journey together exploring to Japan. On behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip, and we look forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks' time for our next episode. To everyone out there, Oginki Day. Stay well, my friends. Song of the show is going to be from Zone, an all-female rock band from Sapporo with more than 12 million views for this song alone. They are performing secret bass, Kimaga Kurtoa Mona. The band Zone sang the song in tears at the end of their final concert in the Nippon Budokan on 4-1-2005. The band reunited for a limited time in the summer of 2011 as the lyrics said, I believe we will see each other again in 10 years from now. So with that 10 years later, they covered that song and it is truly one that is enjoyable uh, even today. A link to their song and video will be located in the show's notes as well. Truly, thank you for participating in this journey to this point. And I look forward to a 2023 filled with me bringing you interviews directly from Japan and continuing to grow as our community continues to support each other and all that we're looking to do. Thank you all, my friends. Kimi